they would sell cardamom to my grandmother at cost because she would use it in like her baklava and yeah. all her baking and they would give it to her in these like big plastic bags that she kept in her pantry and she just like kept them in the plastic bags so it just seeped like this cardamom <laughs> smell like um just emitted from them and made the whole house smell like cardamom yeah and then like of course chai like we all drink so much chai definitely um so she would always have like a box of lipton tea um just kind of like sitting next to the cardamom and it would all just like you'd open the pantry and it would just like hit you Welcome, everyone, to episode 46 of the Assyrian Podcast. Ninorta here, coming to you from Arizona. So, you know when you get sucked into that Instagram vortex and you're just scrolling through and scrolling through? Well, over the holidays, I was in that vortex and was, you know, going through my Insta feed. And then all of a sudden, there's a post of some beautiful, vibrant oranges that caught my eye. And I noticed that it's cardamom and tea posting that she's in Phoenix. I couldn't even explain my excitement at that point. As they say, the rest is history because I had a chance to sit with Catherine and learn more about her life in Hong Kong and her passion for baking and cooking that led her to create her blog, Cardamom and Tea, where she shares Assyrian-inspired dishes for people around the world. Catherine's blog was a 2018 finalist for Savour's Best Food and Culture Blog Award and was featured on Amsterdam Diary's Top 20 Up-and-Coming Food Blogs in 2018, where she uses her platform to educate the world on Assyrians and Assyrian cuisine. Also, during this episode, you might hear a dog barking in the background on a couple of occasions. Don't worry, it's my neighbor's dog and he's adorable. Just wanted to give you a heads up about that. If this is the first episode that you're listening to on the Assyrian podcast, welcome. To keep up with us, please be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to. Let others know about us. And if you find value in what we're delivering each week, We'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on whichever platform that you're listening to. Also, we wanted to let you know that we've revamped our website where you can listen to the episodes directly from the website, learn more about our team, and much more. You can go to www.assyrianpodcast.com and we'd love to hear from you, so let us know your thoughts. Lastly, support for this podcast comes from Tony Calagaracos and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Calagaracos. Tony's been recognized as his top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or at 847-982-9516. And here is Catherine from Cardamom NT. So you were born in Chicago and your family's from Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon, but you live in Hong Kong now. Now, most of the listeners are thinking, okay, Ninorta's a host from Arizona, <laughs> and she's interviewing Catherine, who's the, the blogger for Cardamom and Tea, and she's in Arizona. So your grandmother's here, and you're here for, for Christmas. Yeah, I'm here for Christmas, just here visiting some family. All the cousins flew in, and um, yeah, we've just been celebrating. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. And thank you so much for having me on. We're happy to have you. This is really exciting. (laughs) What made you decide to move to Hong Kong? So um, my husband is a philosophy professor, and he got his first job out of grad school a couple years ago. And when you're in academia, you kind of just go wherever you get a job. Mm -hmm. And he applied all over the place. There were like some places in like rural America that he applied and like 
in New York and just kind of all over the world and all over the U.S. And Hong Kong is just the one that like happened to pick us. And so, so we just decided to take it and we were really excited and moved out there and we've loved it. It's been, it's been wonderful. Nice. Yeah. How long have you been in Hong Kong? This is our second year. So I think about a year and a half. Okay. So fairly, fairly new. Yeah. We're still really new there and still kind of, we've already moved like since we've moved there, but yeah, it's just been a little while. Good, good. And you have your own blog where you share different recipes of Assyrian and Middle Eastern food to people all around the world. What inspired you to start your blog? Yeah, so there are a ton of really amazing Assyrian blogs and also amazing like Middle Eastern blogs. But I think that there's, even though there's so much amazing content, there's still like we're really kind of underrepresented. And I thought that we needed more representation. And so my goal was always to kind of, instead of coming in and sort of like eclipsing, I I feel like it's the kind of thing where there, we just need more, you know, like we need Mm -hmm. more people out there and we all need to like work together. Yeah. And, and have more voices and kind of more perspectives from within our community. Definitely. So you named the blog cardamom and tea. Why did you, why did you choose that name? (laughs) So my sister actually gave me the idea for the name. Mm -hmm. It's the smell that reminds us of our grandparents' house from like when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Because my grandmother used to work at the Swedish bakery. Did you okay. ever go there when you were in Edisonville? Yes, okay. yes, yes. That's in Chicago for it the is, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> or it used to be. It's, it closed down. It did close down, but yeah. But one of their bakers is opening a new one. I did read that. I yeah, did read an I'm article really about that. About <laughs> um, so we have a bunch of family members who, when we first immigrated, they worked there. And so now, like, we're still kind of in touch with, like, the the owners. And so for years and years, even after they didn't work there anymore, they would sell cardamom to my grandmother at cost because she would use it in, like, her baklava and all her baking. And they would give it to her in these, like, big plastic bags that she kept in her pantry. And she just, like, kept them in the plastic bags, so it just seeped, like, this cardamom (laughs) smell, like, um, just emitted from them and made the whole house smell like cardamom. Yeah. And then, like, of course, chai. Like, we all drink so much chai. Definitely. Um, So she would always have, like, a box of Lipton tea, um, just kind of, like, sitting next to the cardamom. And it would all just, like, you'd open the pantry and it would just, like, hit you. Those two scents would kind of combine. Yeah, and even, like, just opening the front door of her house, like, you could still kind of, like, smell the cardamom and tea. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just, it makes me think of growing up and and some of my first kind of connections with Assyrian food. Wow, that's great. (laughs) And you share a new recipe on your blog every Thursday, Mm -hmm. and you post pictures and and write a whole kind of, like, a preview before you kind of go into the, the recipes. So who's the lucky person that gets to enjoy all these foods? I mean, yeah. do you have a lot of friends coming over every week after you create a meal? Or like every Thursday they're knocking on your door? Yeah. Yeah, so life has been kind of different the last couple of years. Before we moved to Hong Kong, we were in grad school. And so there was kind of this like built-in community where there were just constantly people around. So when I first started the blog, it was like there was always somebody to sort of give a tray of cookies to. Mm-hmm. We have kind of a smaller friend group in Hong Kong because we're still new. Yeah. I'm like so... I'm a very hesitant friend maker, and so whenever I get to a new place, it takes me like five years to like really kind of find my people. Mm -hmm. And so we give a lot of, I mean, obviously my husband will eat a lot of food, (laughs) but then there's like only so much baklava he can eat and, you know, that kind of thing. So we give a lot of cookies to doormen, (laughs) like in our building, and so they they, uh, seem to really like us now. Because you're the ones that are giving them all the, all yeah. the good food. That's and like great. my husband brings stuff to his students sometimes. And um, like when they're, you know, just like having classes, pass around some cookies mm-hmm. or 
yeah and then like we'll we'll drop things off for friends or like have friends over sometimes but Mm -hmm. yeah but there's too much food when you don't have like a giant circle no yeah of course (laughs) are have you met any other assyrians in hong kong I haven't. Um, I've met a few other um, Syrians and Iraqis in Hong mm-hmm. Kong, but no Assyrians. I think I might be the only one. But um, we went to Disneyland Hong Kong, and they had a Lamassu, so that was wow. kind of cool. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah, it was wow. uh, this sort of archaeological thing, but mm-hmm. still, it was, I think, the only other sort of Assyrian artifact other than me like living in Hong Kong. <laughs> You can go visit the Lamasso. Yeah, yeah, right. Have some conversations. (laughs) I remember one of your blogs that you made a frozen yogurt baklava recipe. Yeah. And you had to make it because you had so much baklava that you had (laughs) made before. So do you kind of recreate certain dishes based on what you have kind of left over and you've made extra of? Yeah, that does sometimes inspire new recipes. Yeah, because like, I mean, they're... I do sort of a combination of like, I'll have an idea and I'll just sort of go for it. But then sometimes you just need to get dinner on the table. And sometimes getting dinner on the table isn't a blog post. And it's just like making something really lame that like, I would, you know, that I wouldn't want to like share with the world. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, you know, you'll have like a bunch of random ingredients and um, it'll inspire like a new thing. Like I had a Brussels sprouts post recently Mm -hmm. where I was, I had like a bunch of leftover like random kind of odds and ends like an apple and some tahini and and it inspired this dish that I've been really enjoying with like pickled apple and roasted raisins inspired by my grandmother's like do you do it as a sharia yes I can I probably don't pronounce it right no no you're good that is that sharia yeah that's I don't even I don't even know how to say it in English so. I don't know I mean it's you know rice with vermicelli noodles but yeah. yeah those raisins like when they kind of saute them in a little bit of butter mm-hmm. um my grandmother taught me how to do that and it really inspired like I don't know. It inspired me to start doing that with raisins for everything. So yeah, I think, yes, inspiration comes from everywhere, including kind of leftover ingredients. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. great. That's great. Your kada recipe changed my life. <laughs> that's so um, nice. <laughs> they, I mean, honestly, like my entire family uses that recipe when they make kada. That's All so wonderful. All of my, oh my, my aunts, my mom, that, that's like a repeated uh, thing, especially during, <laughs> during the holidays. What's been your favorite recipe? I mean, now that you mentioned kata, I can't think of anything else because <laughs> I love kata so much. And my my aunt Masi, she's the one who taught me how to make it, and it's like it's so her recipe is like so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely one of my favorites. I think I gravitate a lot toward kind of baking things. Um, I I love cooking also, but baking kind of tugs at my heartstrings like a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I think recently I made a recipe that I really loved that we made like a bunch of times. I, I kind of kept making it over and over again just for fun um, and because it was so I, I just loved it so much but uh, gingerbread cake with mm-hmm. um, like a rose water cream cheese glaze mm-hmm. so I think that's one of the ones I'm most proud of right now wow I, <laughs> I did see that was a more recent post yeah right? I posted it a couple of weeks ago nice yeah by living in Hong Kong and making Middle Eastern recipes how do you manage to get the ingredients I mean I can yeah. only imagine how <laughs> difficult it is to find to find certain things it's tricky it's actually really funny so I was um, talking with one of my friends who lives in Virginia and she was like having the hardest time finding certain things that I thought you could get like anywhere in the US like mm-hmm. vulgar um, and it kind of actually made me think maybe Hong Kong it, I think like in some ways it's even easier to find things mm-hmm. certain things there then you know it's it's kind of so random like where where you end up and where what certain places will have and won't have 
they like they have a ton of Middle Eastern produce there, and I think they have like more Middle Eastern produce available than in a lot of parts of the U.S. Just mm-hmm. because so much comes from China originally, from like you know thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago. So like persimmons are so easy to find, and they're like a little bit trickier to find in the U.S. Although you can find them in most places. Mm-hmm. You know those like zucchini that we use like the kusa for like uh, dolma and yeah. mashi and that kind of thing. Yeah, like I think those are like a lot easier to find there, and I have trouble finding them when I'm here. But then things like pomegranate molasses, rose water, and orange blossom water are hard to find. <laughs> so do you stock up when you come to the states? I do. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I found like a few sources though. So there's this restaurant that like will sell um, little bottles like in their storefront. This um, oh. it's a Lebanese restaurant. Okay. And so. Yeah, so like there, there are kind of certain. I want to do a blog post about it because there are a lot of people in Hong Kong who cook Middle Eastern mm-hmm. who've like asked me like, where do I find tahini? Where do I find this? Mm-hmm. Um, I need to do a blog post about it. <laughs> nice, but you kind of have figured out the the go to places at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think I can get almost everything. Lebni is impossible, but it's mm. also better homemade. So it's exactly, like it's yeah. kind of pushing me. I think to. Yeah. All you need is milk and... Yeah, and time. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) then you're good. Yeah. What's one ingredient that you can't live without? Mm. That's such a good question. I think this is such a silly answer, but butter. Butter. Yeah, you can do so much with butter. And I think that it's it's one of those ingredients that people don't associate with the Middle East Mm -hmm. and like with Assyrian food, but we use so much butter, you know, like in baking, but also in cooking... And like especially clarified butter, mm-hmm. it just has such a different flavor than than regular like sweet cream butter. I use it in everything, and yeah, butter. Yeah, butter. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do you have to recreate a dish in order for it to be blog perfect? Yeah, it really depends on the dish. So there are some things that I've made, I'll make it like five times because I can't get that last you know, that last little detail, right? And Mm -hmm. on the fifth time, it'll go great and it's finally perfect. And then I'll make it another time, like just to make sure. And that would be like maybe a little bit more of a high maintenance project. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually it takes like about two tries to get it right. So the first try will always, if it's just kind of an average thing, go not so great. And there are a couple problems with it. I'll journal a little bit to kind of figure out what those problems were. Mm-hmm. I'll come back to it in a couple of days. And usually on the second try, it goes much better. Sometimes the second try goes perfectly. And then when it goes well on the second try, I usually make it one more time just to make sure that like the recipe is perfect and that people can follow it and mm-hmm. that it, there are no kind of big problems with it. And then occasionally, like you make something and the first time it just goes great. Mm-hmm. And then you make it one more time just to make sure. And it's like, that's kind of the, the easiest scenario. <laughs> How often does that happen? Never. It's <laughs> happened like, I think maybe I have like, I want to say almost 200 recipes. And I think that's happened like 10 times. <laughs> wow. So you do a lot of, yeah, a lot of baking a lot and of re- cooking. <laughs> remaking things. And, yeah. What I love most about your blog is that you tell the readers a story before kind of getting into the recipe. You don't just be like, okay, bam, here's your, <laughs> here's how to make baklava. But that's what I, what the readers really like about you. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, definitely. I remember one story where you were going to the store and then you had bought in, I think it was eggs or something, and they had <laughs> fell down and they all oh, broke. Oh, yeah, they like all broke in the subway. It was so <laughs> embarrassing. 
<laughs> I like actually cried. It was I. What were I, you like, trying to make? Cried. I forgot what you were trying to make in that blog. I, and then... I remember because it was like <laughs> seared in my memory. I was making a sumac time cake. <laughs> okay. Wow. What's the most challenging thing about writing recipes? Yeah, I think the most challenging thing for me is when things don't go well, which is so silly because like I said, like they never go well, mm-hmm. like on the first round. And I think at the beginning, like in the first couple of months of vlogging, I would do this thing where I would kind of convince myself that it went well, but I'm a perfectionist. And so that doesn't really work very well for me. Mm-hmm. And so I've been kind of trying to figure out like, what is like, how do you deal with that sort of failure? Because it's productive failure, you know, like I, I kind of, consciously know it's it's good to fail like when you're doing anything artistic like it's good to make mistakes but like knowing that and knowing it are totally different yeah (laughs) like really really knowing it yeah so like I think the most challenging thing is like when you just can't figure out like why something keeps going wrong over and over and you're still kind of trying to puzzle through it sometimes it's a fun challenge but, but yeah a lot of the time it's like it's really hard to to kind of push through the like bad emotions associated with that mm-hmm What's been the most difficult recipe that you've had to create? Definitely Turkish Delight. Lokme is like oh, just wow. killing me. I can imagine that <laughs> being very difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, oh my gosh. I think it's just, I've decided it's something that you just shouldn't make at home. Just buy it. Like go to the grocery <laughs> store, go to the, you know, the Middle Eastern market and buy Lokme and don't try it at home. Because <laughs> I've tried like 40 different I tried like five other people's recipes because I usually kind of do a little experimenting with with what other people have done first to see what's out there. And then I made like kind of started doing my own thing and I literally made it 40 times, maybe 45. And it was just a disaster every single time at, at a certain point. I started going in this certain direction with it and it just got worse every single time. <laughs> oh my God. And yeah, that's definitely been the biggest challenge. Wow. <laughs> did you find, did you overcome it eventually? I, I didn't. That you one didn't? was just kind of... You just, yeah, I'm giving up on that one. I think I overcame it by buying Lokme at the store <laughs> and enjoying it. And like, that can be a success in itself. You yes, know? it is. <laughs> is there anything that you don't like to cook or eat? Yeah, so I love everything. There's nothing that I don't like to eat. And I don't think there's anything that I don't like to cook. But I am allergic to eggplant which is a huge bummer. <laughs> so um, it's hard to, I, I do still sometimes recipe develop with it, mm-hmm. but I have to be like a little bit more careful about um, making sure that I have like a lot of people taste it and give me feedback and yes. tell me kind of specific things so that I can, and I would never recipe develop eggplant if it was like a huge challenge or something. Mm-hmm. It's always like baba ganoush or something. Yeah, but, like, exactly. I know how to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you make a good point of educating people about Assyrians on your Instagram and your blog what have been people's responses or comments about that yeah I mean I you know all the responses right (laughs) to sort of like oh what's a Syrian yeah and you're like you know you give the explanation people are like oh you still are around and it's like yeah we're still around (laughs) (laughs) I never quite know what to say yeah but I think it's just been it's such a sort of baseline thing right to just kind of let people know that we're here that like we exist and and I think just educating people about that has been has been really important to me and I think it's like really important to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of breaking through to that next level of like we're here and what do we have to say and like what, you know, and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what can we say about our culture? 
and it's I think getting to that second step is like really important and it's always wonderful when people can do that and I think there's so many Assyrian people who are like who are doing that now which I think is so mm-hmm. cool yeah definitely and you get interviewed a lot and you I, I've read the different articles and stuff and you always oh, cool. you mentioned that you mentioned that you're Assyrian and who we are and kind of go into detail about it so it, it's like setting the platform of like okay we're still around yes exactly and this is the food that we have <laughs> right exactly and that we're not in the past like we we exist in the current world yeah um you know i was joking that i'm an artifact but <laughs> not quite that old yet you know we're still we're still around and yeah <laughs> what do you like to do outside of blogging i love singing and playing piano wow and just like hanging out with family i spend a lot of my time blogging and cooking but yeah like when I have a chance I love traveling seeing family and yeah music nice and you didn't go to culinary school what were you doing before cardamom and tea <laughs> yeah I did not and I I was gonna um, I was in a PhD program before and I got my master's degree I decided to leave the PhD um, after writing like about a chapter of my dissertation I just decided that it wasn't for me but I loved teaching I taught poetry classes mm-hmm. And yeah, I really miss my students and kind of miss that part of my life. But it's been a it's been a good adjustment otherwise. Mm-hmm. So with the English literature background, did you always know that you wanted to go in, into that direction? Yeah, I I thought that I wanted to for a while. It's so hard to know if you want to do something until you try it. You know what I mean? And I agree. Yeah, like I think I I kind of gave it a shot. I thought I wanted to be a research professor. It turned out that the part that I really loved was teaching, and I didn't really love researching so much. And so it's really hard to kind of make those decisions of like, well, if you like kind of part of something, do you love it enough to stay or do you love it enough to continue? And it's something that I always kind of think maybe I'll go back to someday because I really do love teaching so much and especially poetry. But mm-hmm. but yeah, for now, I'm really happy where I am mm-hmm. and you're using it you're you're writing in your <laughs> blog so so yeah. you're still using it yeah totally grad school made me a much stronger writer and honestly like teaching writing made me a much stronger writer because mm-hmm. until you have to like explain what a thesis statement is to an undergrad like <laughs> I don't know I, I think I didn't really know how to write one until I had to explain it to someone else <laughs> do you have any plans of creating any videos for the recipes or do you prefer just to write them yeah I um, I would love to do more video. I've done a couple, like I have a clarified butter video. I plan to do more video. I don't know if those plans are going to end up coming to fruition because um, I'm much more of a photographer and much more of a writer, mm-hmm. but video is so useful. Um, one of my friends has an Assyrian video blog actually called Seven Spice Life, my friend Lisa, oh. and we just shot a video together a couple days ago. So I'm like, I'm definitely interested in like collaborating with people who do video. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Because there are people who are much better at it than I am. Wow. Cool. <laughs> What's next for you and for the blog? So I'm, I'm working on a cookbook proposal right now. Wow. And it feels a little bit like bad luck to talk about the details. <laughs> okay. But I'm working on that right now and um, hopefully I'll have that done by spring and kind of start shopping it around this summer. That's really exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> I know you submitted the star kada recipe in the... Oh, yeah. Was it Big for Syria? Um, It was, yeah, it was the Big for Syria cookbook. Big for Syria cookbook, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So you're going to... So eventually, hopefully, fingers crossed, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have your own crossed. cookbook. That's exciting. <laughs> Thank that you. That really exciting. Thanks. 
You've been featured on Savour's edition Choice Best New Voice 2017, Savour's finalist for Best Culture 2018, a top 20 up-and-coming food blog in 2018 on Amsterdam Diary. Um, <laughs> you've been featured on Hook and Blade magazine and, like I said, the Bake for Syria cookbook. And you have over 17,000 <laughs> followers on Instagram. Thinking back to the 10-year-old you, what would she be thinking and saying about all these <laughs> accomplishments? I think 10-year-old me would be like so blown away by what the internet is capable of or like what you can do with it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, 10-year-old me did not have the internet, you know, just mm-hmm. like many of our 10-year-old selves. <laughs> <laughs> I think just I had like so many ideas and I had like a lot of like passion for cooking and like creative things. Um, and I was always like making things and kind of trying to like organize people around things. And I think just the idea that there's this like whole world of people who are like, would be interested in hearing me talk about cooking and like, would be interested in hearing me talk about my Syrian heritage. That would have like completely blown my mind. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's just this amazing thing where there have been so many, I don't know, like people who have a platform who like might not otherwise have a platform. And yeah, like I think that 10 year old me would be really amazed by this like whole idea of like Mm -hmm. sharing things with people on the internet yeah that's awesome (laughs) so you're here to visit your family for christmas have you been in the kitchen recently making things yeah it's it's been are they putting you to work (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm developing recipe for lamb shanks right now so i made everybody lamb shanks the other day it was the final run so that one went really well and then today i was i'm developing like a new recipe for baklava and it was the first run today so it didn't go so well so they're getting kind of a mix of like some of the good and some of the bad okay on on either end of the production schedule nice <laughs> so Catherine, any other final words to our listeners eat lots of clarified butter <laughs> <laughs> duly noted thank you so much for being here with us thank you so much for having me thank you